podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, here it goes. Welcome back to Play the Fool, the podcast all about the stuff on your silver screen and the screen in your yard. TV, movies, cinema, short films, all of that good stuff. We're watching everything and talking about it. And sometimes, you know, we even get you involved. We love to hear from you. I'm Scully, and I'm joined by my normal I'm co-host, Jude. Jude, what are you telling me? A long working day, man, but I'm blessed. Yeah. Yeah? Yes, uh, it's been, it's been, I feel like, yep. it felt like it was a long week on Tuesday. <laughs> like, literally on Tuesday, I was like, rah, 100%. can't wait for the weekend. They're like, rah, so it's the second day out here. But uh, enough of our tiredness, we've got a special guest. Kitty, welcome to Arena, what are you telling me? Welcome. Hello, 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 glad to be here. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, 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 welcome. Obviously, initiation, we need to hear about who some of your favourite directors are, what some of your favourite films are. So yeah, okay. let us know. Some of my favourite directors. I'm such a 21st century woman in terms of films. Um, that's when I really started getting into it. So I love Damien Chazelle. Absolutely love him. I think he's just incredible, incredible writer. He just love him. And also, who will I say? Yes. Um, Richard Linklater as well. I think he's, yeah, just very personable. And my favourite type of films are people talking. So and a couple of my favourite films before before Sunrise, before Midnight, all of those. And mm. something I've watched recently for the first time that I really liked, Punch Drug, Drunk mm. Love, which was yeah. amazing. Yeah, Interesting. I like, I like different yeah. people. Like I like this. I like this. I like different section well. of film. Like when people mention like Richard Linklater yes. little to me, like yeah, no, I'm I'm usually impressed because his spread of films, as you said, mostly dialogue based, very philosophical. I remember when I studied philosophy, I had to yeah. um, we had to watch Wake Wake in Life. Have you seen it? Wake in Life, I think that's one of my favorite films of his. He's yeah, it's amazing. It's like um a moving kind of conversation mm, okay. but they use animation as like the background so all of the dialogue and the different conversations about different themes right. is done to like a different kind of style of animation it's quite trippy but yeah, pretty sick yeah it's quite it's quite interesting because I think everybody will have a different favourite film of his my type of film is Dazed and Confused like that's kind of my good one Bread and butter. CJ loves Boyhood. Boyhood. Yeah, like that yes. is actually I one of his favorite films. Boyhood. And I think his spread of films, but yeah, Days and Confused. I think that's my kind of, kind of bread and butter. The type of film yeah. that I I would back. But enough of what we like or what I like. Let's get started and talk about the Emmys because I've seen you tweeting about the Baftas and the Emmys. It's award season. A lot has been going on. So let's start with what's already happened. How did everyone feel about Emmys, Key? It's kind of standard. We just saw a succession suite. That's what they've been doing for the last four years. So nothing new. And yeah, and also the best. How do you, how do you feel about succession, by the way? Really like it. Really, really like it. I didn't love it. What's really like people. it? Mm. I love the I loved season two and three. I think that is just sweet spot. 
And in mm. season four, I really, again, I really liked, but it wasn't, it's not something that I would go back and watch again anytime soon. It's, but yeah, no, good That's show. It. Do you know what it is? While I was watching it, I didn't think I liked it that much because people were comparing it to stuff mm. like The Sopranos and The Wire and all of this. And I said, it's top level TV. And while I was watching it, I, was like, mm, I don't know if it's top level, but now it's finished. In retrospect, I'm like, actually, mm. it was really fucking good. Like, yeah. And I enjoyed it for what it was. I don't know if I will still put it in those echelons, but I'll definitely say I think it is an elite. And I don't yeah. make any of TV like there's a lot. Let's be honest, yeah. Like Willem Dafoe was saying, there's not a lot of cerebral TV yeah. on on air anymore. Cerebral films. You know what? I so it's nice to get. I have a season again. to go with Succession, and I feel like I'm in where you described. Like mm. I wasn't going to put it in that shelf of like being an all timer TV show, but I get it. And I think the point that furthered this for me was the way that you pointed out the direction, like the types of shots, because I was thinking, um. I think it was last year, it was nominated for a lot of kind of like its direction. And um, yeah, like yeah, I, I didn't really so understand theatrical. that. But I think when it gets to like Very. season two and three, they emphasize on the shots. They really, you really get to see like the evolving nature of the characters, their different journeys and how it builds up the stories. And you're just, it's so captivating. So yeah, I definitely need to finish it and I will do, but. I see why it's, it's, it's still about in the Emmys. They're talking about The Bear as a comedy, obviously one best comedy series. How do you feel about it winning yeah. best comedy? Do you see it as a comedy? Because a lot of people don't think it is. And I'm like, I get yeah. that it's very anxious and I get dramatic things happen. But it's also, every episode is littered with at least like one laughable moment for me, like as in audibly laugh out loud. Like, yeah, and some of them are ridiculous. Some of them are dark. Of course, you, you know what? I've been, I don't know. How do you no, guys on, feel, about, feel about that? It's a very, yeah, it's a it's a very outdated. The categories are very outdated. Emmys. It's half an hour comedy, an hour drama, which I think they definitely need to revamp. I think I saw a tweet that pointed out that Orange Is the New Black was actually considered a drama because it was one hour. So I think yeah. it's just, it's literally just that, unfortunately. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's good I think, go on, no, think go on. we wouldn't have, we, Succession probably would have sweeped everything regardless. So if we saw the bear in drama, we're just going to see that. But I, I do get it because actual comedy shows do get swept under the rug you know with I those think, categories. I think it's, it's more but, the... Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's, well, I, I agree with everything you said. But even to like further that, I think it's kind of the evolution of genres and filmmaking itself. It's like we're seeing loads of genres applied yeah. to different sense, different genres. It's like meshed together in order to make like a different kind of sense of it. Because yeah. even on um, Twitter, X for some people now, like um, there was a conversation about the bear, and people were questioning if that should be nominated for. Um, it being a comedy because when they're watching it it's more of a stressful show and I see all of the comedic themes and there are moments that you laugh at it but at its heart for me it's very it's a very depressing drama it's about a man that has committed suicide and a man that's you know another man that's taken on his brother's business 
and it shows like the journey of so many different characters. And in the same way with, with Succession, you're looking at a drama, like the types of people, the upper class, upper echelon, a framework that we don't really get to see. And yeah, that's why it's, it's, it's framed as a dark comedy. And yeah, I just think it's these kind of hyper extensions of different themes now that they're looking for. But also, I think because genuine comedy, there are, there are a lot of comedies, but how how many of them can you say like are top tier? And yeah, just by the nominations alone, I could I could see that we've already got that catchment. But maybe there should be a differentiation in these. I don't know, you know, because I feel like comedy in itself as a genre has always been a com has always been. I'm somebody who loves comedy and I think it's always been a genre that is designed to make you think and to make you consider things and to, to deliver different thought processes. Right. And I think at the heart of both succession and the bear, even something like Barry, which you could say is kind of on the other lens. Yeah. They're both like, it starts with a comical idea. Like Barry starts the first few episodes are super funny or even louder milk, which I love, but like it gets into much darker topics and I think the bear and succession do that yeah. in times where you can kind of focus on the drama. But when you think about what is happening in the episodes and what bookends it and what the dialogue is, they're actually focusing on comedy. Like it just has dark elements to it. And even Orange is the New Black. I think that is a drama and comedy. And it's like modern music, right? So somebody could be a rapper and make a country song. Somebody could be a singer and make a Jersey Club song. Like genres mm-hmm. are blending because people have all sorts of interests and you can have multiple themes in a show so orange is the new black is definitely a comedy but it's also definitely a drama in the same way that i think the bear is there's orange is the new black episodes that have made me feel emotional like obviously spoiler alert if you have not finished the series yet but when that you know what character when they get x'd out i was thinking raw like i didn't even want to finish watching the show i was like this is dark like this is so so dark but it is each episode again still yeah. has a laughable moment. So I think it's difficult. Like, like even the White Lotus, which I think is one of my favorite shows of recent years. Above everything else, it's a comedy first. But also, if it was a book, you wouldn't be able to just yeah. say like, "Oh, it's a funny book." Like it makes you think. So it's difficult. You'd probably say it's a philosophical. <laughs> yeah. Philosophical. yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I'm, I enjoy all of this content, but at the same time. It depends on how you receive it. I just find it very interesting the way they categorize these things. Yeah. It's quite interesting that uh, everybody from Succession won their Emmy, but Jeremy Strong didn't get any this year round. Um, shout out to our Asian winners, Ali Wong and uh, Stephen Yun, two an actor, well, both actors, but also a comedian that I really respect in Ali yeah. Wong. How did you feel about beef? Really yeah. happy. 100%. I think yeah. it was well deserved. Ali Wong, again, someone that's a comedian, known as a stand up comedian, really showing dramatic chops. And Stephen Young is just so bloody talented. Oh my gosh. 100%. So he is amazing. He's going to take everything by storm in the next few years. I really see it. And yeah, I know there's a lot of controversy with the show, but when just looking at their performances alone and the whole concept of the TV show, I think yeah. was really well done. A hundred percent. 
it, um, I hope they leave it as a limited series in a way. Like, I mm-hmm. think it is enough where it is. I really like both characters. Like, I, if anything, I hope they do something like The White Lotus, where it's an anthology series and you just yeah. get different characters and move on. Like, you don't have to have the same ones returning because it is really good. But, like, that arc feels complete enough. Like, if they try and come yeah. back and it doesn't hit the same. You know what I thought was kind of brilliant about Beef as well? So. Where it felt like it was about these two characters and mm-hmm. his. But then the third character, like the brother, he becomes so much more prominent over the series. And it's much more about all of these intertwining relationships that have affected them. And it just builds up like a, mm-hmm. yeah, like an explosion of different forms of beef. And yeah, as you said, that should be more of like an anthology series. They can take this idea and apply it to somewhere else. I think another thing is if they, maybe if they didn't expect that, for this to do that, maybe they should leave it here. Like I'll be happy with that as well. But there's one thing I wanted to actually discuss because I know we're talking about like um, succession and them like winning a lot. But in terms of Kieran Culkin, like a lead actor in the drama series, I think he was amazing, but I did kind of feel bad for Pedro Pascal a bit because The Last of Us, obviously like a, a drama series that's kind of was very contained. It's adapted from, from the game, but I still think that performance, mm-hmm. man, like maybe it's been a, a bit overshadowed. What do you, what do you think with that? I, I think it was a beautiful performance by him, but I also think Kieran was so emotive in that final season of succession. Like, he actually stole the show. And in that final season, there's like, what? It doesn't feel like there's as many episodes. I might be making it up, but in my head, I feel like there's like eight episodes of the last season's succession. But he was stealing scenes. Like there's whole episodes where when I'm watching it week by week, like when it's coming out and it's, it's, it's being streamlined and all of this, for a second, I'm forgetting about the world. Like I'm just in mm. all the drama that is happening with the show. And... I think Sarah was great. I think uh, Sarah Snook uh, as Shiv. I think Matthew McFadden was great as Wams Gams. Like, there's a lot of great acting in it, but I really think Kieran definitely deserved that mm. role because as good as Pedro was, I don't think he moved me in the same way or that series, Last of Us, didn't move me yeah. as much as that final season. You know what? I definitely said that prematurely because it, it took me to another level. That, that, that entire yeah. season, yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. But, yeah. I, I, I disagree. I disagree with that. I think The Last of Us Thank you. blew me away. I didn't really know what to expect. I've never played a game before. I think just the whole production, there's a lot mm-hmm. of physicality with Pedro's, Pedro's role. There's, I think he shows a range of emotions. I think he's just really just, I don't know what the character mm. is like in the in the game, but I just think he made me really care about that character. And I think he's he'll be in a season two. And I think if there's just a second he season, will. now Succession is gone. He was kind of yes, the second in line for that, that Emmy. Yeah. Unless, yeah. unless something else comes in the, in the next year. I was going to say that this is the final episode. This is the yeah. final season of Succession. So it was almost like it had to get it. But yeah, as, it uh, for, for context, by the way, he, Last of Us is, I yeah. think, as you could tell you, is actually my favorite game. And I love the show. Like, I think the show is amazing. It's amazing. Like, 
But that and that game means so much to me. Like, but I like for me, he was great. But he 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 played it exactly as the game kind of went, and I think Kieran just brought something so different, <sighs> especially somebody who's really. Yeah. I think Roman Roy has been amazing since episode one, but a lot of people didn't take him seriously, and I feel that final season really like made people realize that oh, this is a complex character. Like he's not, and I don't want to give spoilers for you, Jude, but like the way people view him in season one and two is very like unserious. And I think in that last season, you know they're like, oh shit, you're really that fucked That sounds up like he gets to, over the whole series, life. he gets to show, show like a full range of emotion and different devices of acting. Yeah. Yeah. Over the three seasons that I've watched, he's definitely my favorite character in it. And like, um, yeah, with the fourth season, I'm excited to see that. But I just wanted to even add to Kitty's point because as she was describing that, a whole wave of emotion, like literally, I felt that because The Last of Us, that performance mm. was super inspired. They were so attached to their roles and you could see it with the, even the assets like throughout the whole show in the process, the way they released it. Like we were switched on and attached to that. And I feel like mm. that and Succession, even though mm. I haven't I haven't ever been at a point where I've caught up, it's, it commanded the same type of response that, only a show maybe like um get a game of thrones i haven't seen anticipation for those productions mm-hmm. in that in that way but hbo yeah i was surprised i was big up hbo i was surprised that people were like because i thought succession was very if you know you know show and then when it came to that final season it's people so were like staying up to watch it i was like oh <laughs> like i didn't know you were moving people like that but i guess i guess you're right to your point as well um, I think it's, it is part of the character arc of Kieran that might have swung it, or Roman, sorry, that might have swung it for people. Like, the fact that he is a comedic foil for a lot of the seasons. He does some fucked up stuff in three. And then in that final season, he is, like, he has very, he has funny moments, but it's not as a comedic foil. It's very much of a, nearly <laughs> every scene you see him in is sad as fuck. Oh, <laughs> That was heartbreaking, man. The first episode, one of the craziest first episodes I've seen in any form. Like, yeah, that was splendid. I'm happy for uh, Abbott Elementary and I'm happy for my boys, John Oliver and Trevor Noah, who also picked up their awards. But uh, the BAFTAs are coming out soon. That was announced today. Was there any shocks? Were there any snubs? Ooh, June, I know you got something to get like off your pressure. chest. This so feels, go. I want to be able to articulate this properly because, yeah, Lily Gladstone was snubbed. But in speaking to Ross, who actually can't appear here today, Kitty, we basically had this conversation about like um, Lily Gladstone and her being able to, she should have, I think she should have been nominated for lead actress. She probably should have gone on to win it, but Killers of the Flower Moon has been recognized in so many different other categories that they might've felt like they shouldn't have included her. But what do you actually think? Because yeah, I'm not entirely sure what actor shouldn't be there, but the two that came to mind and this feels this feels wrong with me because I loved Rye Lane, but I think the stature of the spread of films and the productions of them was, I don't know, it, they just felt that much more greater 
for me. Vivian Oprah's like Aparo, yeah, her performance was outstanding, and I I loved Raleigh. But overall, in terms of the actual film, I don't think it weighs up against all of them. Maybe Maestro, but Carey Mulligan's performance as well was just something else. So me and me, Ross and Skelly were talking about that in the in the group chat, and yeah, we came to like a bit of an impasse on the situation. Yeah, I believe Lily Gladstone definitely should have been nominated, but for other reasons. Yeah, they just didn't put her. Yeah, there. yeah. Lily Gladstone was my favorite lead actress Hands performance down. of 2023. I think she just carried that movie. Her and Robert De Niro just blew everyone out of the water. And that's saying, like, I thought Leo. I don't think he deserves an Oscar nomination. Not to say he wasn't good. I just don't think there's there's space for him in that in that category. But with with Lily Gladstone, I I don't really understand it. I don't understand. I think I think Vivian was always going to get a nomination because it's the British Baftas that the Baftas, and they make sure that B is loud and proud for real. So I I don't think she could have been knocked out. I'm surprised how strongly Margot is doing. Uh, I think a lot of these film institutions really want to nominate Ryan Gosling and they cannot really go without nominating Margot so she's kind of secured her spot in the in the, the Oscars Oscar five. And honestly I probably would take out Fantasia if anything. If I'm not if I can't take out Margot and you can't take out Vivian, then maybe Fantasia. I just feel like the colour purple as a whole mm. is it's a it's a fine film. I didn't love it. It was it was good. I think Daniel Brooks is by far the standout. I don't, I just don't see how someone, a top two contender in almost all of the awards so far has now completely not been nominated. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Killer, Killers didn't really perform very well in the BAFTAs. So I just don't think the jury and the voters connected to it. I don't understand really why, but yeah. I would say a couple of things. Um, I do think Lily has been snubbed. I think she was amazing in Kids of the Plow Moon, so let me preface with that. I think it was really important Vivian was nominated for two reasons. One, it's the BAFTAs, it's yeah. the British Awards, so you have to actually celebrate British films. Of course. Like, it's almost like it's not quite the same, but like imagine if the Mobos didn't like, nominate any black acts. Like, yeah. Like, what, the hell was, what the hell was going on? Like, And... um. Secondly, most importantly, I think, and this is what I was trying to explain to you yesterday, uh, today, sorry, I'm hoping I can do it more eloquently. I think there is, especially by cinephiles, we have a knack for celebrating films based on their intellectual worth and weight. Like, so this film has this subject matter and it's directed in this way and it has this person. So this is elite cinema because it's, we're, we're classing this as high art and like anything that isn't in those boundaries conformities doesn't mean as much as other stuff because that's not high art and I think Rylane mm. is a really fun film that had massive impact on a shoestring budget in comparison to everything else mm. and it being nominated is a massive win for independent films for one and also a reminder that you don't have to do a period piece or a piece about like some heavy 
flipping genocide or a piece about like a really weighty crime drama like you can actually make a film that is just fun and enjoyable and colorful and tells something in a fresh way and it be high art like in the same way that a song can just be really fun and the only words are la 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 and it doesn't have to mean anything like mm. it to, to for and i don't want to go too much on a tangent but to our Jordan Peele conversation yesterday, Jude, like in the fact that Nope can be a film and it can be good because yep. it's just a film. It doesn't have to have a deeper meaning. Like we should also celebrate the films that are good films and not weighty films. So as much as I think Lily should be nominated, Vivian wouldn't leave the category for me because I think yeah. she's the only one in that lineup who, besides maybe Margot, but even Barbie had a deeper meaning. So Barbie Vivian... Had- to- $150 yeah. million. So and $150 million meanings too. I think, I think Ryan Lane is the only film that represents a completely different type of film. That is just totally a film that everything exists for being a good film. However, yeah. that's, that's I still just think, yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. I still think Lily Gladstone deserved her nomination. I couldn't really talk about The Colour of Purple because I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. 100%. And, um, Same. There's three films nominated. I personally haven't seen The Color Purple, uh, Anatomy of a Fool, and crazy. Maestro. It's crazy in that. I'm going to watch... She doesn't move. Carrie, Carrie Mug- Mulligan can move, but I, the bathtub, they love Maestro. I don't know. I, I think there's British people involved, so I, I thought... <laughs> I wasn't surprised yeah, that it did well. about it. So, did, you, did you like yeah. Maestro? Because Again, I, I really, I really did. But you know, when you you come out of a film, and normally I'm not affected by this, but when someone really summarizes it in a very simplifying way, and you look at it, it kind of reduces everything. And they basically just said that the whole film was Bradley and Carrie just talking to each other in a very like pompy, posh voice, like "Oh, darling, I want to," <laughs> and like. It kind of is that, but at the same time, I think the way that they built up the story, the way they delivered it, the way they emotionally drew us in and got us attached to these characters that otherwise I wouldn't have any kind of care for. I would would say they're in a different type of society and way of doing things that, yeah, it doesn't really relate to the normal person. It's about a maestro. It's about a genius, but it's much more about his relationships and their unique relationship and I think yeah Carrie done something for me that I actually did appreciate but yeah again I do hear your points and definitely a British film does deserve to be nominated and upheld I just think maybe it's come to a time they need to <laughs> expand the amount of films that get nominated like when does it end exactly then it'll be 15 all I'm going to say is yeah all I'm going to say is if Carrie gets nominated for Maestro and from what I've heard a lot of people don't really like Maestro that much yeah and she gets nominated but Vivian gets dropped then Vivian and all these upcoming actors are going to do what Bradley Cooper did for Maestro and not make fun enjoyable films and instead try and make like serious biopics or period pieces to flex that side of themselves what, in a in an effort to win the award. I mean, I don't you think it's changing a lot? Again, not to go on a tangent, but we saw everything everywhere all at once win. And a year before we saw Coda. Coda was and I know people are angry about that, but I love that Coda one. So brilliant. 
And so I like fun. everything everywhere all at once. Everything yeah. everywhere all at once is fun, but it's also yeah, it's not. Really, I also think so it deep. is a deeper it's, film. It's, like it has a lot. Of music not even to like, to carry on, but like we're weight. talking about with the bear and um, Succession, like it's that for me could have gone to so many different ca- categories. You know what I mean? And it did. It did do that in a spread of awards that it won. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, like this is it. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah, but to return uh, to your question about Maestro. I can't technically <laughs> fault it. I was like, wow, this is gorgeous. But I, I was looking at the time a lot. I was like, wow, this felt just, I felt very disconnected considering it's about Leonard Bernstein, the person that created West Side Story, mm. one of the greatest musicals of all time. Right. Did you say greatest or grossest? Greatest. <laughs> Yeah, no. I, I thought I thought it was I thought it was outstanding and on so many like different levels. I did, yeah. I was cautious of the time towards the end, but also I kind of like how it ended for one character. If you, if you know what I'm saying, I don't want to spoil it for for Scully. If you can spoil it like a bio biopic kind of history piece, but yeah, like I think it's really interesting how. It's really interesting how it's kind of set up. Even just like looking at those nominations, it's felt it feels like they've played Tetris with so many different kind of variables of why they appreciate these films. Like the color purple, obviously, it has. I, I I'm not even too sure about that because I'm looking at the trailer. I'm not expecting much if I'm if I'm honest, but I'll, I'll watch it and I'm hopefully impressed by a lot of the performances. But and that means. You know what? The original, the original made me so emotional. I was telling you the other day, it made me so emotional when I was younger that I just didn't even, I didn't finish it. It was one of those films that I wasn't actively involved in. So I'm going to watch mm-hmm. that before I watch this one. But this feels like more of a lighter, lighter hearted, if I could say, mm-hmm. in this day and age, kind of reimagining. Mm. Hey. I, don't know if, hey. I don't know if it's lighter hearted. I don't know if it's going to be light hearted. Have you seen it already, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, mm. it's on board if you want to watch it. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, actually, we got a screen in it. Yeah, we got, yeah. got screen. And that's also up. that's another thing. I think um, if Ross was here, we would have talked about this. But like, um, yeah, happy birthday! Happy birthday um, to Ross, yeah. by the way. We got Ross. But yeah, like, um, yeah, but can just continue? the releasing schedule of so many different films. Like, I wanted the holdovers to be a Christmas <sighs> film, and. Yeah, it's passed over to, to right. like be be this year, but the award categories for so many different people, it doesn't entirely make sense. So, the UK hasn't seen the color purple; they don't know what to to make of that. Poor things just came out recently, like, and all of these films are just yeah, they're in your face. But if you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. So, luckily, like for a few of the films, like um, have you yeah. seen All of Us Are Strangers? Oof. Yeah, no. and, and Andrew, which is exactly like, that's a British film. But yeah, that's yeah, the show really coming out. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch that. Almost. It's quite interesting that wasn't nominated for lots, but what was nominated, well, what I'm surprised is nominated, is T.O.U. for his performance in Past mm. Lives, which I think was a really good film. I'm really, I'm happy that he was nominated. How do you feel about that film, Key? Because I'm seeing a look on your face right now. No, I really liked it. I think his performance yeah. is strong. I think it would probably have been I wouldn't call him lead. I don't know. 
I think that yeah, leads. Yeah, yeah. Then, I, I thought that when he was nominated. I was like, was he really in the lead? But yeah, I think he has a, a his performance is really strong. I'm I'm happy to see him there. I I haven't <laughs> seen Andrew Scott's performance yet, but that seems like a massive snub considering he's European, he's Irish. So yeah. they used to they tend I to favor like, now that I think I'm, I'm really, European. All of us yeah. are strangers. It yeah, that that made me really emotional. I think have you guys seen the trailer at least? No, is I know what it's about. I know what it's about. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've uh, oh, read so part of the book, but I never finished it. I need to go finish it. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, well, I know, I, I know In terms about, of the yeah. spoiler, bleh, not the spoiler, in terms of the trailer, I think it's one of the most brilliantly done trailers. Like, if you don't know the book and you don't know the story and you're, and you're watching it, you can think it's of so many different things, but having seen the film, yeah, if you're going to do a trailer, do it like that. There's such an element of suspense to it. It's so captivating and at so many different moments that it implies so much and so much doesn't need to be said because the types of shots, the mm-hmm. acting sequences, even the moments in, in the dialogue, like it indicates so much. So I need to even watch it again to to have that watch where I'm like, oh, so that's why you did that. Because on, on the first watch, it built up so much for me that I was just left stunned at the end and I think the whole audience at the London Film Festival were really impressed, like, standing ovation type. Like, was it out tomorrow? I might, I might go watch it tomorrow, you know. Oh, okay. Cool. It's, it's shown yeah. in a few places. Yeah. I'm going to go see Zone of Interest is out tomorrow. I'm going to go see that. Shouts out to uh, Bobby Wine, the People's President, which is a film about the Ugandan musician turned politician. Uh, he went head to head with Museveni. That is nominated by outstanding debut by British writer, director, or producer. How to Have Sex as well, which I loved. And Earth Mama. Yeah, I think really How to Have Sex is a great film. Fantastic. Um, I, I can't stop shouting about it. Best film not in an English language. Uh, I'm not watching 20 Days in Maripool, but Anatomy of a Fool is nominated. Society of the Snow, which we really love here. Zone of Interest, which I need to catch. And Past Lives, which again, <laughs> kind of finagling it a little bit. Like, it, like they do speak it's... a lot in Korean, but let's be real. That's there's lovely. a lot of English. Like, if, like, like it's a finagle. It's a finagle. <laughs> do you know what it is? Would they have put Inglorious Bastards in international or non-English language film, considering that's over 50% non-English? I don't know. Yeah. I think that should have... Re- if, if I could replace one film with it, I'll take out past size for that, not because I disliked it, I love it. Yeah. But um remember Jude we saw Love Life. That was that Love was that Japanese French film. I, I love that, that film. film I need good. to even run it back. Like you know, you know those random moments where because yeah, me and Scully have this thing like if there's a film that's just there, we'll be like, Yeah, why not? And we'll just go and watch it. And that was a film that we just saw, like, was it Croydon? Croydon Grant? It was just it was just yeah. there, so yeah. It's so it's so random. That's even a random yeah. cinema. Do you know how it was so random? We go to that it, was a, it was an outstanding yeah. film. And also, I wanted to sh- make a shout out. Incredible for like the short film category. Actually, Festival of Slaps got nominated, and mm, yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, was that nominated? That's not even yet, in my list, you know. Um, I didn't see it after. It's got Tom uh, Matuk, yeah. And yeah, it's directed on watch by it Abdu Cisse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm like he's a South London filmmaker, so big up him and congratulations and well done. He's also like the director for a couple of episodes of Grandkids, yeah. like a TV series that came out last year, which mm-hmm. I also need to finish. Like there's there's so much, so much content, but also I feel like there's so much content for me, <laughs> in a sense, you know, that's it's so interesting the categories that all of us mm. as strangers are nominated in, by the way. Uh, best Supporting Actor, Paul Mescal. Best Casting. Uh, it's also think, nominated in Best... No, is it Best Director? Honestly, you see? Yeah. yeah. They didn't drop... <laughs> best Director Screenplay. They dropped one category and that yeah, was Andrew that Scott. doesn't make Madness. any sense. But yeah, has, doesn't make now sense. that I'm thinking of it, like, mm, I'm not sure who's winning... Best direct, best director. Poor thing nominated for this year, man. That's how I go on. It's it's difficult. Oh, very. We might we might see Greta Gerwig be dropped or Lanthanos be dropped. It's wild. I can't believe it because the whole room is doing it. a lot better this than any, anyone Kissy, thought. I'm so glad you said this. My favorite film of last year. My favorite film. I love it. Oh, that's your favorite film of last year. I've got my respect for you. No, because me and Scully had this discussion about the holdovers because he was actually saying that he doesn't think it's on the level. No, I love it. I just think it's an eight out of ten. Like I said about Days of Confused, I love a coming of age film, and that's why. That's why it's quite interesting because for me, I love coming of age films. Maybe it's because I watch so many, like it doesn't feel like it moves me in the same way that it's moving some other people but like I said that is my favourite type of film so I watch it and I think yes yeah, really speak of the comparison that not, you made I wouldn't like, say it's my favourite film he made the comparison this... with what, what was the film again I said I said it, it wasn't um, it wasn't like a film that has changed my life like The Breakfast Club yeah yeah like, <laughs> or, or even dazed and confused. I, like, I think there's so much, there's so many more layers to it because you're seeing a coming yeah. of age of a fifty-something-year-old man as well. He's coming yeah, to hit the, like being open to life and being experiencing things and whatnot. So I, I, I wouldn't compare it to that. And do you know what it is about the holdovers? It does. A, it's a really Impec- simple film, but it finish. does impeccably well. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work without the three so imagine, leads. We're gonna just need being amazing. Like it really doesn't. Because Ross is away obviously for his birthday dinner. Me and him went to a QA literally two days ago with Alexander Payne, Paul Giamatti, and Devine Joy Randolph. And like so we I watched it at the wow. London Film Festival. It was Ross's first time. And I genuinely think this has become one of the, my favourite films ever. And it's I can see myself watching it every Christmas. I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. But I love a Christmas film as well, so I, it would fall straight but, but into this that. This is what I was saying. For that reason. Like, like, we're going to definitely have to pick this up thing. next week. But this is what I was saying to Scully, and this is why I'm, I rate it so yeah. highly, and I think comparing it to The Breakfast Club now is, yeah, it's a bit unfair because... Yeah, 
No, I said I said I said it was unfair because that. the breakfast club no, was obviously no. like thirty years or forty now. Like in terms of no, 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 no. I I said no. I said don't do that. I said the holdovers will become a cult classic instantaneously. But the Breakfast Club has had oh, so yes. many years to compound upon that. I I, level. I basically I said, said that. that no, I did say that early on. Took, I don't think you listened to the point that I said because no, because this this is this is no, what I said. I said no, I'm giving I said that it before. respect now because I know and feel it's going to build build up on that. Because the Breakfast Club and my my specific point as well was we can't look at those films and and hold it up to this kind of standard because for one we have no perception of the film because it was before our time so when we received it it's already got all mm-hmm. of all of that plus more and so the holdover to just come out and yeah. we're seeing all of the impressions that mm-hmm. it's going to make. It's not got the most massive budget, and even in the way it was put together, especially through the Q and A conversation that we had, like it was a really contained cast, contained story in a real setting. So they really managed to bring the life out of absolutely everything, and all the characters have yeah. an arc. And as Kitty was saying, like there's like a common of age story between like two different individuals. You've got like a, a young man. A teacher, yeah. but also like there's oh, 100%, like yeah. a, an element of acceptance with like Mary and, and like what she has to has to go through, and that is even the starting point for me. And it kind of rounds off their story in a whole at the end. I think it's literally it's brilliant, it's outstanding, and I can't wait to see what it does when everyone else get their hands on the film. Yeah. I think it's endemic of um so I think a lot of films that are written in the last ten years are very endemic of like I and this is a sorry tangent, but we'd like people don't grow past teenage years anymore. Like there's a there's a crisis of adolescence, right? People still live at home in their thirties and even forties. Like people are growing up later, and a lot of films that we're watching at the moment are basically about adult coming of age. And I think I think it's so interesting how that is the new the new coming of age film, like adult coming of age stories. Like, but it does. It, by the way, it does do everything amazing well. Like that is not a detraction. I just think compared to you because we're specifically talking about our relationships with it i think it's a strong eight and it's a great eight and yeah that is fine yeah. like i'm gonna watch it over yeah. and over again i'm just saying i'm just trying to <laughs> rationalize to why i don't give it a 10 but i do like i do like the dialogue between them like you said it's a very simple film and that is the beauty in it like it is the interactions between them and even some of the the wider people involved in the film so like obviously that woman who they go to the party that he obviously has a crush on yeah all of this stuff like there's lots of good moments about it like it captures it captures the 70s 80s feeling very well which a lot of films are trying to do in this day and age like that is one film that i can say yeah does it like so well yeah, without, it does it incredibly Without well. nostalgia yeah. baiting, which like just playing yeah. obvious seventies songs. Alexander Bain was yeah, even yeah, talking yeah. about like um someone the first it. question someone asked is how he came up with like the the soundtrack and he was saying you know, if it's a very artist process, but at the end of the day it comes down to which songs you can actually afford. Because getting these all into contained into a movie probably <laughs> yeah, contains yeah. much more of the 
the budget for the the film, especially with a film like that when it's all recorded in one setting and they're using yeah. a lot of like natural lighting with the shots and everything else. Like, yeah, it's, it's very impressive. Yeah. I've done it's, some work in I've done some work in music clearance and it's not fun. Like at all. Well, it is fun, but it's it's fucking hard. Like it's fucking hard. So when something has a tiny budget, it's always amazing to see how they maximize it, what they get to use. Like, is there something that is public? Um what's the word? Mickey Mouse the other day. Public domain, that's the one. Like or like all of these little things, like the little tips yeah. and tricks, like but it it did so well, man. It did so well. Yeah, it's a great film and it's just it's getting a lot of momentum. I think 100%. in terms of Oscars behind Oppenheimer, the holders, the holdovers. I I I'm I predicted Paul Giamatti a uh, Paul Giamatti win. Obviously mm. the Bayern's winning. And we could even see a, a Dominic Sessa nomination. Yeah, he deserves it. He, he was so so good. Yeah, he did. Oh, man. So good. Considering he's not an actor, considering he was a high school student at that school when yeah, he yeah. just auditioned. What an amazing story. I think it's so funny when people talk about his letterbox. His letterbox sucks. Like his first four favorite films. <laughs> but it's so nice. Like it's so nice no. to see. Like this is not a cinephile. This is just a guy who ended up in a film. What did he have in it? He had like uh, La La Land and American Sniper. I was like, God. To be fair, the question I hate, was... I hate La La Land, by the way. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that because that's like... Yeah, I hate it. But um, his, I think he was asked which was his favourite, four favourite Oscar-nominated films. So that's probably what he just mm. remembered on top of his head. American so, Sniper, though. Yeah, that's it. Golly! He's 21. He is, he is, he is. Yes. He is he's, a, he's actually a youth, man. So I tried not to get... Because I saw people online getting onto him. I was like, he's actually a youth. Like, yeah, you have to lie, him, like... But yeah, it's, it is hilarious. But yeah, good film. Good film. Yeah, we saw a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm just last, surprised. Obviously. I'm surprised they're both, even Saltburn, I think that I'm surprised at the two of them <laughs> doing award runs like this. Like, I would have, with the, the level of film that came out last year, like, I genuinely thought Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Barbie would sweep everything. So, the fact that Holdovers, it looks like it's going to get a load of awards and potentially Saltburn for a lot of things as well. I'm genuinely surprised. Like, mm, I don't see it. I think Saltburn is a question because it's like, oh, this is, the, is the, this is the film. It's British. Like the, yeah. It's quintessentially yeah. British, 2006. So, yeah, I think in a weird way, to like not to directly compare, but to what um happened for holdovers in the sense that it's captured an era very well i think saltburn does that so much like i was watching it and i was like you've captured 06 like there was a there was a beginning i remember i was watching with Jude and i was like yeah this is this is like almost skins ish like the way he's doing the like mm. noughties, like indie turn up like flannel shirts and all of this like it's done it well without it being too corny or like it being a force and yeah. it's captured Zeitgeist as well. So, and I guess that's yeah. the, I think that's also the other thing about holdovers that's quite surprising me to, to my point earlier, Jude. I don't think it's quite interesting because I've haven't not, I haven't seen the holdovers grab the people's attention in a way that goes to a award run in the way that Saltburn has. That's, like, that's the last month, you know, he's not licking a hole. You of can't a drink. compare that though. 
No, 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 no. It's not. That's not a cuss to holdovers. I'm just saying. Usually, when a film isn't like a Killers of the Flower Moon or an Oppenheimer or a big blockbuster like that, yeah. Usually, it's because people get behind it, like a like a parasite. Loads of people got behind it and it pushed it to a point that it became. It went on a crazy awards run, and it's really interesting and refreshing to see holdovers do that without being that do you get what i'm saying like it hasn't been pushed to it it's literally just the strength mm-hmm. of the film on its but, own but also has, has yeah, taken it to that place yeah like we we're saying earlier it's yeah it's not out yet so maybe it's also like a perspective and perception thing because i know in america like it has done things to an extent and yeah like opening weekend budget i think if i'm not mistaken it's around like 23 million and that's good for this type of this type of film, they weren't going for something for something massive, which contradicts a conversation we we're having the other day about budgets. But yeah, I think the holdovers will. That is a film that I think a British audience could take to, and like Kitty was saying, that like this is this could be a really good Christmas film that we all, you know, just re- repeating every every Christmas. I hope, but yeah, that's definitely stepped into one of my best films of all time. I can't lie to you. Yeah, Amazing. I'm just um I'm just checking on how, on the box office. So it only opened in six theaters, then it made two hundred k. Then sixty four in the second week made six hundred k. Then it finally did eight hundred theaters, made three million, and then two point seven million extra on the fifth weekend. So over five weeks, it did under ten ten mil, which isn't like it's something to. It's an indie. It's an indie right. film. You know, it's, it's, not, not, it's nothing. It's not a film. No, it's that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's something back. to battle with, but what I'm saying is, it's it's still I still think it has a level to oh, go yeah. to in terms of like. I've, poor things you've... has done terribly well. I mean, terribly. I definitely, like, I definitely got my figures wrong. Office. I think that was for another, yeah. maybe Godzilla minus one. But yeah, as we were saying, independent film. No, but I, yeah, to my point, I think, and for both things, those are mm-hmm. levels that those films can go to. That take it to another world, and I think yeah. those are both. I think they're both films that everyone should watch. But it's good that a film can get nominated and get pushed without having to be that kind of like big blockbuster. Because big blockbusters are not often the best films. Let's be real. But My they, favorite film of twenty twenty three was Scrapper, and that is a tiny film. Like, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. So, I think it is yeah. good that they get these awards. So big up, I mean, big up, yeah. These, big up. these awards are made for indie films. That's why indie films get made. Like, the Do you box, think? The, yeah. The Academy has always favoured smaller films and films that have just, yeah, tighter films, basically. Blockbusters tend, unless it's with big drama directors like mm. Scorsese or Nolan, they don't really look at big budget movies. I do think it's weighted towards Scorsese and Nolan, but I also think at the same time, over the last decade, it hasn't been particularly independent films that have got this love of light. Like, I mm. feel like, besides maybe, like, The Favourite, which, again, wasn't a super indie film, like, it had a budget, but it wasn't, like, a like a huge blockbuster, but it was still bigger than what we've listed before. I feel like it's been films of a certain weight, like you're saying, like, so with the Scorsese and Nolans, it's been something like... Oh, this is Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro. This is a film that is high art. No, like we Moonlight. have to celebrate it. Yeah, Moonlight was a good one. But also, I want to say, was he not? 
Barry Jenkins. That's, yeah. He hasn't made, he didn't have made like big budget films before then, I'm sure. No, but I feel like he was getting love. Yeah. Good cover of age. You know what? Alexander Not yeah. to project I love, anything. I love that but, film, um, On the back end of Moonlight, I expected Barry Jenkins to do that much more, but I think it also shows that like even with these type of films and the extravagant things that a lot of these independent filmmakers can do, once they even get over that line, there's still that worry of giving them a bigger budget to tell a bigger story. Or maybe that story hasn't entirely entirely come. Yeah. He's he's doing an he's directing okay. a new line thing. Mufasa. Oh, yeah. wow. The origin story that. of Mufasa. Because <laughs> that's what we so, needed. The origin story of Mufasa, man. Like, that's what just, the streets are calling for, bro. Yeah. I think it's like that. Because well. like, 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 how did remember, Scott like, turn now, out like Now that? I'm actually looking at it. Like, um, if Bill <laughs> Street could talk, I, I remember when, when that came out. But yeah, after that, he's been just more, much more producing. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. did write, he's writing like a film called uh, Films. Yeah. Flint Strong. Ah, oh, okay. It's a sports film, but yeah, like um, definitely need to research and see where he's going. He's also yeah. he's also black. The ceiling is a lot. Yeah, yeah. Oscar. It doesn't doesn't mean anything really. A hundred percent. Not much. Not as much 100%. as it would mean. When Damien Chazelle won, he got a seventy million dollar movie. Yeah. So it it he didn't get that. But yeah, it's all right. I think it's yeah. I think it's all about like the way you position yourself and like how you how you maneuver step by step. So to compare and contrast, and not obviously it's not the same thing, but Yorgos to Barry Jenkins. I think obviously he'd been making interesting films, and then because he'd made such interesting films that had kind of moved the needle a bit. When he did drop the favorite, people saw it and they were like, oh shit, maybe we should distribute this. It's got Olivia Coleman in it and all this. It's won the Oscar to the point mm-hmm. he can now get a Willem Dafoe and an Emma Stone in, and Rami Youssef in Poor Things. And it's probably going to do well because it's almost like the, the small doors that Oscar opens are to get you considered yeah. again for future things. Yeah. And it's like, it's quite awkward. But on that note, let's talk about Poor Things. Jude, start us off. What did you think? I... As I said, when I first first saw it, I've seen it twice now, like for reviewing purposes. When I first saw it, my first impression was, this is Frankenstein meets Barbie. It's like a, a total conversation put together of different like, types of elements of filmmaking. And it really exemplified... Yorgos Lanthimos's like filmmaking because after poor things I, I immediately done like my research and watched the films that I I missed films like the the lobster killing of a sacred deer and yeah it's just so I think that, I think there's so much to it but again like we were talking about earlier this is one of those films that could pass off for like so many different categories and for an eighteen plus I think is such an an endearing philosophical film very existential but what i loved about it so much it was like we got to see a character bella baxter like i said with the frankenstein and barbie like combination as a clean slate and all of those experiences started to build a perspective of how she saw herself and how she saw the world and it also reminded me of this one thing because um 
yeah, ninky kind of philosophy background kind of stuff. But the example was Ship of Theseus. Um, basically, in um, Greek mythology, there's a conversation about the Ship of Theseus where if you take like a an original thing and you remove all of its parts and put it back together, is it still the same thing? Could you still call it the same thing? And in a sense, like Bella Baxter yeah. is the definition of that. And we get to see her journey, even though it's not so focused on her previous identity, it's more about her becoming and knowing herself and what she wants. And yeah, her chemistry with everyone else on, on set, like brilliant. Mark Ruffalo, like really surprised me. I think it's such a like 180 from all of the roles that I've, I've seen him in. Rami Yusuf's, Yusuf was outstanding and Willem Dafoe was just, was just great. And then sick interjections from like Jared Carmichael as well. And the lady that, that played Martha, I forgot her name, but yeah, it was, it's an outstanding film. And again, it stepped right up there with one of the, yeah, the best, some of the best films I've seen of these times. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Kitty. Actually, before I pass you, I just want to say my favorite thing about the ship of thesis is the fact that the, the Wikipedia entry has been edited so many times that none of the original words from the original entry that remain. <laughs> That's a little philosophical <laughs> joke for for all the geeks out there <laughs> who get it back. But Kitty, what did you think of the film? I really, really liked it. Uh, it took me a while to get into it. I was which. With a lot of Lanthimos' films, I do feel like, okay, what's going on? And with this film, the themes were very, very at the forefront. He's with his previous films, like The Favourite, The Lobster, you kind of, it takes you a while to see what the, the thematic elements of the film. But here it's just like, okay, it's about this woman who's, yeah, basically Frankenstein, and she's discovering the world. And I was like, okay, what's going on? But the world building that he did, with it, again, I think the movie cost about $30 million, which is crazy. It's just such a beautiful film. I think the performances are great, especially Emerson. He is in 90% of the whole film doing a madness, which is just incredible. And he fully commits to it, fully just the most outrageous things. And it's she is incredible and his direction is just so weird and wacky and he has a lot of fun with it he doesn't really stay inside the box even with his wide lens that he he loves his wide lens oh my gosh we get it we're the audience but um yeah I just had a lot of fun with it and I think Mark Ruffalo and Emma Stone were by far the standouts it's so funny that you Judy mentioned Gerard Carmichael because I thought out of all the performances he felt the like the least yeah not not really good for me and I really like him as an actor I think I just felt like he just took me out of it on that one I, point. Like I just think he lands. was very nihil- nihilistic and he he tried to embody that and in that surrealistic world that Yorgos created he it kind of acts like as a little bridge between you're right. Like it was definitely that's why I named him like kind of last, and but Willem Dafoe was always gonna be like that anyway. But like with Jared, I think he was kind of like a good pit stop between 
everything else, like the kind of overperformance of other characters. Because Mark Ruffalo was doing so much, mm. you know what I mean? But it was so it was so good. And yeah, sure. it was just like yeah. a an intersection, like the neutral bit. But yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I wasn't necessarily a fan of him, but I like him as a comedian. I think it felt like he was almost trying to break the fourth wall, but then he wasn't. Like, but that's by the by in it, who cares? That's details. I think the film was great. I think it is, uh, I would describe it as a retelling of Frankenstein. It obviously takes hints from that with Willem Dafoe almost being Frankenstein's monster and passing that on to Emma Stone's character, Bella. But because she is a woman, she also doesn't have to just deal with being a monster, but also the fact that she has to be conscious of her femininity and also Mm. not wield it over men. Like, that as an extra layer was great. Mark Ruffalo is one of my favourite actors. Like, from Shutter Island to Collateral to 13 going on 30, I think he has so much range. And it's great to see him. I feel like before MCU, which is the MCU, that is what it is. I feel like the the five years before that, he was doing a load of really serious roles. So, for example, like I said, Shore Island and all of this. Uh, but then to see him come back out of the MCU and then go straight into a comedic role, when I haven't seen that from him in a while, is is great. It really exercises his range. Oh I, I can't gas Willem Dafoe enough, man. That's my guy. And I was saying the other day, Yorgos is accidentally one of my favorite directors like i've seen a lot of his films when they've dropped like i remember going to see the lobster i remember going to see the favorites i remember watching mm. killing the sacred deer like and then so many of them i can remember where i was and in what stage of life and the yeah. impact they had on me so this is for me like a great culmination of the work he's done like obviously the lobster is really surreal i think the favorite is it still has surreal moments but it's a lot less so but it manages to like say something really well and I think this is a good kind of like balance of that and the way he uses simple techniques so like the wide lens the visionette the black and white like all of these like this proper like rudimentary like ABC camera techniques but he uses them in a way that makes them also really, really add, like impactful. Can I add like Robbie like, Ryan, Ryan shout out to him, the cinematographer. He's worked with Yorgos quite a few times. I think he worked with him on a lobster as well. And um, having like watched some videos that they've like put out explaining the making of the film, like Robbie Ryan and Yorgos made sure to use to properly utilize like the fisheye lens to get that kind of it was. Yeah, for me, that, was that's me. what made it. It made it such like a fantastical spectacle, or from a perspective where it felt like you're you're becoming because they used less of it over time, and obviously that from the transition from black and white to the very rich colors, and that's why it felt mm-hmm. like the whole mm-hmm. kind of fusion of those elements of Frankenstein and Barbie kind of like meshing together, where you have a really innocent, very impressionable person and it starts to fill that kind of void in so many different ways and yeah again so brilliantly done and from even from the few um other yorgos films that i've watched i could see that it's definitely a culmination like that's probably a perfect way of describing it a culmination of different of his filmmaking styles and he's perfected it now 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good, it's a really good. And like, I also want to like it crosses a lot of genre. I think it's it's, it's part yeah. of a sci-fi film. Like there's loads going on. Like I love the setting that it's like technically you call it steampunk, it. but I wouldn't even call it steampunk. Like I call it like mm. like like future Victoria. Yeah. Like there's, there's yeah, it's quite gothic. Yeah, but like there's there's technology that like obviously mm. doesn't exist. Like it yeah. just does a lot of things really wacky. And if you remember, you know, saying in the cinema, like the fish eye makes you feel like you're looking into a fish bowl, like you're observing upon them. And the way he uses that, like it's it's cold. Like I just think it's 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 super well done film. It's gonna yeah. I'm gonna watch a lot of films this year, but I already know this is gonna be one of my favorites. Like from the off, leaving that that film was to me like a very strong nine nine point five. Yeah, I really really loved it. I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, no. It's, it's- and just the way that he explored, well, we saw Bella explore her sexuality. Mm-hmm. He made sure never to shame her, even or her to ever feel shame about it. It's because, again, a lot of it was on her own terms, which is mm-hmm. it's kind of a refreshing take to see. One of my gripes, though, I'm fine with all the vulgarness and the sex, but it takes me out of it when I see you get to see. <laughs> Emma Stone, full, her full front, everything. And then you see Mark Ruffalo covered with a towel. No, I, it's, it frustrates me. <laughs> what are you saying? You're trying, like, to see that, like, you're trying to see that Ruffalo. Listen, I'm, I, I'm, I believe it, like, I just think it's quite the way that... Yeah. Hulk smash? I, I can't lie. I haven't <laughs> no. seen so much the way that... in, in succession in my life. Because Why do you have to call it so vulgar? The no, no, that's, honestly, that's yeah. heavy. That's really heavy. No, you couldn't say. It felt dick, like the way though, like, like, like I feel like that is called Cox because he emphasised like it's like what you like you were saying about the fish fish eye lens. It, yeah, I, I, wasn't I feel like it's open it, to interpretation. I feel like you saying Cox is a projection of yourself. There's one thing I was gonna say. I think this is also an excellent segue because. Again, like um, I I done a TikTok on this, like in review. I've been really obsessed with this film for the last couple of weeks. But um, one of the films things that really impressed me about it as well, and that I'm hoping will happen for that that industry, like, but Yorgos has kind of taken off from from Greek cinema. But this is still something that can be considered stemming from like the Greek weird wave of cinema in that type of film. And again, I'm not so well versed in all of the films there, but from having like studied it and looked at a few of them, you can see the sense of filmmaking where he's coming from. And so if you guys didn't know, like um the Greek weird wave of cinema basically spawned in response to like the mm-hmm. Greek financial crisis in 2009 and budgets started to be so strapped and they went from having budgets mm-hmm. for some films probably around like 20, 30 million in like the early thousands where they're like big Greek productions to having films that had to be recorded on a budget of a couple hundred K and that would be really, really tight. So what they would do is make these films that are really essentially weird at the core, but they're using all of the elements of film that they can use at at that time. So Yorgos also has like... um, Dogtooth, Alps, and there's other like films, like notable films like Attenberg, uh, A Woman's Way, 
um, which is also called Skrilla. If yeah, like a different kind of um, what do you call it translation for the film. But the point is, I feel like this opens doors for a spread of filmmakers who sit alongside Yorgos, maybe not in like what they've done, but it can expose that type of, of cinema because you have the spread of actors. He's worked with Colin Farrell a lot, but poor things with the inclusion of Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe and how it's being promoted. And the fact that it's an 18, I really think it could stand in a place where it invites people into this kind of quote-unquote indie cinephile type, type of realm of film. And I'm excited to see if that transforms that side of cinema. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's been a big absurdist wave over the last 10 years. Like, I just think that is the current wave because of the economic issues anyway. So aside from Greek wave, when you look at like people like Bootsy Collins and... um. It is Peace College, right? Yeah, it is. And like the, the current wave of what's going on even in the West and when you go to like like Korean cinema as well and what's going on over there, there is a big uprising in absurdity, which is always how people react to the brutality of reality, right? And it is it's great. And I think that Yorgos will continue to do good things. I like that he works with he likes to repeat working with actors, right? So mm. he works with Colin Farrell a couple of times and he moved on to Olivia Coleman. Then it was Emma Stone. I wonder who it's going to be from Poor Things. I wonder if it's going to be Rami Youssef or if it's going to be Willem Dafoe, whoever it is. He's in, I'm a, sure. he's in another movie with Emma Stone that's already been filmed and should be mm. coming out end of this year, mm. I think. So Interesting. Do you know anything? What's that film called? Something of Kindness. Something Kind of Kindness. Something like that. I don't know. Ooh. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I like when... Um, I like when directors form relationships with with uh, their yeah. actors and they get to bring the best out of them. Yeah. So yeah, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I enjoy it. What would you rate it? Let's I, rate I feel it out like I'm, ten um, for the listeners. I'm sounding very kind these days, but I feel like I do and don't miss. Like right now, I'm in a in a zone of watching really good films and I'll actually give this a nine because for all of the points in which I respect cinema, it hit like it was beautiful. I think the cinematography is fascinating. Like it looks so astonishing. It's very vulgar. Like I don't remember an 18 plus that I put on this pedestal and yeah, the acting was just brilliant. The direction, the story, the ideas that will make this film like yeah i was just simply overwhelmed by it so yeah i have to give it a nine um kitty gone yeah i think i'm i'm between an eight and a nine eight and a half i think it's a gorgeous film uh yorgos did an amazing work an amazing job world building and it was just like a thrill for the eyes i think there was some pacing issues that I found it felt a lot longer than it actually was. It's two hours twenty, I think. It felt like three hours to me. I felt Oppenheimer felt shorter than that to me, which I don't necessarily think was a bad thing, but just because a lot happened in the film, there's clear act one, act two, act three. Uh-huh. But I just thought, yeah, pacing was a bit off. The Rami Yusuf subplot, 
I was kind of like, where's Bella Baxter? Come on, let's let's move on. But yeah, I just think everything that Jude said, I have to repeat, just incredible, incredible cast. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous film. So yeah, yeah. Like, and a half. like I said, Yorgos is one of my favourites. That is actually a 9.5 for me, really. Like I really, really like that film. I get you with the pacing, but also they squeezed an entire, mm. almost an entire it's... life, or at least up to middle age of... of Bella and you got to see her grow so I didn't mind the choppy pacing personally I don't think it was like I'm describing it as choppy to back your point but I would I personally wouldn't call it choppy but I think that is like I said I feel like I've watched some amazing films over the last especially like four months as I've been trying to log more and we've been doing the pod more and reviewing stuff even more like I feel like before I would watch films and move on but I'm now in a zone where I have to focus and really internalize what I'm watching and that is something that has made a huge impact on me more so than a lot of things. Like I know when I'm going to rewatch a film three or four times, I'm ADHD doc. I don't yeah. like to watch the same thing twice. Like I have to love a film. And the first thing I thought when I left the cinema after watching that is, Oh yeah. shit, I want to go see that again next week. <laughs> like I just knew the next film, by the way, oh, is cool. kinds of kindness and it's an anthology film. And he is working with, and also, Robbie he's Ryan. also working with William Defoe again. He's he also was, working with uh, Joe Alwyn. He was in the favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, cinematography. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, he is. And then, yes, he was. He was. And he's working with William, yeah, William Defoe and Jesse Plemons and Hong Chow from who is the best oh, friend oh, slash okay. sister in law from the world. And also, yeah, just just to add, it is yeah, yeah, like because yeah, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Why are you saying the whale? <laughs> what do you mean? Explore that. Yeah, go The whale. <laughs> Why did you say? You said. Oh my gosh! Did you not I realize you said because I hate yeah. anthology films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the whale. You were no, waiting. no. I think you were waiting <laughs> to pass the whale. I feel even bad. Because oh, I was oh, no, waiting I hoping it, that you hated it as well. So, so, yeah, she was. She made me. Yeah, she made me feel yeah. so many. Yeah, she was good. Things. She was good. Yeah, she was. She was great. But yeah, like um, imagine. So, I spoke about poor things on on Twitter. Um, yeah, a few, a few. Actually, upon first watch, because I got to see like a preview at um Everyman before. Yeah. Like two days before it came out, it means you, Scully, right? So yeah, um. My old existentialism mm-hmm. teacher from uni follows me and I was talking about that ship of thesis example, but she just like watched the film as well. So she said, I loved it. Like you said, lots of personal identity questions as well as the gothic and political elements. And she's definitely planning to read the book, which reminded yeah. me like this is actually a book which I'd love to to pick up. I was about to say, I literally just before we said that, sorry to cut you off, but Alistair Gray, he's an amazing author. Yeah. Like, you know me, I love I love a good book. And he's definitely oh. somebody everybody should look into. He yeah. actually passed away just before this film was completed. So Yorgos got the film off him, like, time ago. Like, I think in, like, oh. maybe 2011, 12, maybe. And then he passed in 2019. So, so he never even got to see it adapted to the big screen. But this is one of his his most successful books. That's yeah, the first one I went, like, to, I went to see. So, yeah, and it's mad. I think with the with the film itself... Like, I definitely believe, like, 
it's done it justice if I could if I could say because yeah they've been working on this for a while now and yeah the story was was beautiful it's touching and it, it says something I'm definitely gonna tap in because yeah Alistair Gray I've heard of the name yeah I've actually sure. read his books so yeah played in full again yeah he's got some he's got some amazing amazing yeah, it's books. fun. But um, Kitty, thanks for joining us. How was your first time on the pod? Love that. Mm, I feel like we still <laughs> nah, need to cross-examine you. I can't like, lie. Yeah, I'm just, just nope. certain things like this hate of anthology films. Uh, like, what's going on? Holdovers, love nah. like, I because I I felt heated because I know an eight eight out of five is <laughs> no, not it's, fine. it's not an issue in it. But you know when you just have that little eight, man said eight out of five. Eight out, eight out, eight out, of, ten, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. But like um. Yeah. yeah, there was like a little niggle where I just wanted to be like, but this is why yeah. I said, but this is why I said, this is why I said, you, you get it. Like, so for her to come on and reaffirm my views as well, and I think the same for Ross, like, yeah, it's brilliant. Like, and if I could maybe push this on you, I would love to have you on the episode. Yeah, I would. review the holdovers next week. It's going to be a shorter yes. one. And do you know yeah, what so, is so yeah, amazing we'll about the screenplay? There's a lot of elements about class and race into it, especially with Mary's Mary's um, son. Yes. There's a line that really stuck oh. out to me where... Oh, yeah, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot... Yeah, that's there's my a line favorite, that's my favorite like, of the film. When they're talking yeah. about the Vietnam War and then they're like, but people in... I've got all the schools called don't go to Vietnam War. And he was like, well, Mary's son does. And mm-hmm. it's just, just yeah. little things about the screen. I've got the... Yeah. I've got the person who did the screenplay. It's not Alexander yeah. Payne, but he he's just fantastic, and it's just a lot of trust in the audience. And again, really amazing actors that really brought out the subtleties and nuances of it. So, <sighs> that little part of the film, particularly. Uh, Mary's son dying and the Vietnam War stuff that is my favorite part of the film and even when she's listening to uh the record in the party and someone asks her to turn it off like I think her thread even the fact of how when she gets to her sisters all of this and like the kind of weird relationship she has with her sister like that thread of it was Mm. the most Catching yeah, part of the film for me. 100%. Like, <laughs> but yeah, 100%. That's, we'll talk about it. All right. Time. For now, for All now, right. let's get out of it. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you in, a, in about seven days. Oh, here goes. Sports Social Podcast Network.